Beginning transmission 94, Black Panther, a nation under our feet. This week's episode of the Funny Books and Firewater Podcast. Ignorance. I'm too sober for this shit. My pig heart makes me sweet as bacon, child. I'm sassy. That's a South Park long ago joke from Honey Boo Boo, so. Well, and I was just reading Shirtless Bear Fighter, and there is a redneck pig who is a sorcerer. Shirtless. The hillbilly warlock, something like that. That is like, it's a pig, so that just made me think of that. Anyway, we are not here to talk about Shirtless Bear Fire. We are here on episode 94. Welcome to it. We are talking about Black Panther, A Nation Under Our Feet. 12 issues of political heaviness, but it was the only way to get in the full storyline because we tried, like, and it's published two different ways. It's published as two collections. It's published as three different trades, but basically it's the first 12 issues, however you want to get to it. Uh, but we only have... Well, we probably have more than 12 issues among us, but there's only four of us on the show today, uh, which is normal for us. But anyway, but starting out in Utah, Mr. Politically Correct himself, Adam. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Adam. I'm the uh, reviews editor and film critic for Big Shiny Robot. Hopefully soon coming back uh, to do Bored as Hell podcast with Andy Wilson. Hi, Andy. Hi, Hi Andy. Andy. Um, and actually, as we're recording this, this is the Sunday, the calm before the storm of Sundance. Uh I've got three screenings before Sundance and then pretty much three days to go to sit my ass in a seat and just watch as many movies as possible till I'm just pissed at all the indie quote unquote edgy filmmakers who are putting shit out there for us. So should be fun. Should be kind of weird. Every single year. It's like every other year is the good year. Mm-hmm. And last year was the good year. So I'm kind of worried for this one. But right. we'll see. But yeah, you'll find me uh, at the Grand Theater on 17th and State or Watchtower Cafe with our good friends Corey and Tui for the next couple weekdays. Uh, also curating our Grinder and Scruff accounts. So And our tights account. Uh, and our tights account, yes. Because uh, tights with a Z is our now <laughs> our gay superhero dating app. So. Yes, it is. So yay me. Uh, awesome. And then, of course, we have joining him in their secret lair. We have Todd. Hi. At the bottom of their secret lair, the base of the volcano here in bright and sunny Utah, I'm Todd. You can find me here on this podcast. I occasionally go to a pub quiz, but it's been a while. Or I'm just walking around and just say hi to me in the street. And you'll say, <laughs> hey, aren't you that guy? And Give it a go. Let's see what happens. And he'll say, do you have a dollar? Do you have a dollar? <laughs> I have a dollar. For five dollars. Yeah, I can no. be any guy you want. <laughs> And the king of uh, Skull Crush Mountain, we have Maya. Hey, what's going on? It's Maya. Uh, you can catch me at Dr. Volt's Comics if you're in Salt Lake City, 2043 East, 3300 South. 
I'm usually there Tuesdays and Fridays for the foreseeable future. Or you can catch me on Twitter or Instagram. Twitter at Mr. Maya and Instagram at the Mr. Maya. Correct. And he's also helping us out with our Instagram and Twitter feeds for the show. Uh, Funny Books and Firewater on Instagram and Facebook. And then it is Firewater Cast on Twitter. And I can't remember our Tumblr. I think our Tumblr is also Funny Books and Firewater. But you know what? There's like a little announcement thing I made at the end of the show that says all that stuff for me. That's why I never remember to say <laughs> it. Um, basically, I made that robot voice to remember all the things that I don't remember, which as I start to get better at actually remembering all the stuff I have to say, it probably becomes redundant, but that's okay as well. Uh, but hey, I'm Brian. I'm a sound designer based in Southern California. I'm working on some stuff. Just uh, got a contract negotiation worked out on something. And I have probably one of the bigger projects I've ever worked on, which I can completely not talk about on the show. Uh, is uh, I just found out I'm working on that. So, which is exciting for me. And just be excited for me. Just trust me that it's exciting. But it's... Uh, How adult of you. I know, right? Uh, Someone's adulting well. No, I wouldn't say well. Um, maybe being thrust <laughs> into adulting. Kicking and screaming as it may be. I also, the other day... Put in a deposit for my first season tickets to anything in my life. Well, no, I guess it's not true. My f- first season tickets to a sporting thing in my life. I had season tickets to theater uh, last year. But anyway, this year, not this year, wow. This week we are here to talk about Black Panther, as we said before. We're doing Nation Under Feet, partially because, you know, it's coming up. Um, also, this was a recommendation from Maya. Maya, had you read this before or did you just know it was supposed to be good and throw it out I there? had just heard about it being good. Okay. Uh, I, I had read, like, the first issue... Uh, and then decided to trade weight and then never got back to it. Trade weight? What does trade weight mean? Waiting for the trade to come oh, out instead of buying the individuals. The oh, there's a phrase for it now. I did there not is. know that. It's been a phrase for a long time. Well, yes, but I'm, I, you know, I'm not always cool. I'm not always in the know. So would I be defined as a trade waiter? Do you buy individual issues regularly? No. Then you're a trade waiter. Okay. I'm totally a trade waiter, too. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Shame. There's no a reason shame. why this show is based around trades. It's because that's what I read. And I also like full storylines and all that kind of stuff. But uh, So to give you a quick preview, and by all means, I there's a lot of depth to this book. So if I meet, miss anything, please jump in and help me out on this. Basically, the story is, is that T'Challa, who is the Black Panther, for those of you who don't know, is also the king of a uh, very rich, very technologically advanced African country called Wakanda. Um, he's been away doing adventures with the Avengers, and while he was gone, his sister was the uh, running as the monarch. She was the queen of it. Her name is like Shuzu. Is that correct? Shuri. 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 That's right. You're Shuri. just gonna butcher every single name. Well, in this that's book, the thing I'm you? concerned about because I'm really bad at names, and these are not. I mean, like I'm bad at names in English, and a lot of these are like African names. I at least got T'Challa right, but that's because I've heard it said. What about that one um, writer we did a whole month on a while back? Fuck you. So anyway, so while she has since died, and uh, while Black Panther's been away, Wakanda's sort of been torn, you know, apart a little bit, and there are some warring factions, and he has has to come back to Wakanda to try to right uh, the wrongs and try to put Wakanda back together. Does that seem like a fair assessment of what the story is about? Yeah, sounds good to me. Okay. Of course, as we always do on this show, we will need a drinking game to go along with it. And now for sports. Listen up, sports fans. Prepare yourself and your liver for this week's drinking game. Remember, it's only a game and a dumb one at that. So don't take it too seriously. And above all else, please drink responsibly. Uh, Mine is called We the People. 
Every time the group known as the people is mentioned, take a drink. That's meaner than it sounds, kids. Yes, that is. Uh, Todd, what is your drinking game rule? Am I reading a comic book or a book on philosophy? Uh-huh. Okay. So every time you're reading it and he's having discussions with people talking about what does it mean to be a king or these are the lessons my father taught me. Someone about being a king, a good king or whatnot. Take a drink. Okay. Is that like the Lion King rule? Could be the Lion King rule. Yeah. Could be. Adam, are you back? Can I hear I you? Miss. Okay, uh, what's your drinking game rule? Uh, so my drink is back in my day. Uh, every time someone tells a story of back in the day or a fable, take a drink. And Maya, what's yours? Mine's called What's Past as Prologue. Uh, anytime they mention uh, the problems in the country having to do with Namor and the Atlanteans flooding Wakanda, or Thanos and the Black Order invading Wakanda, or just Black Panther being an Avenger and not being there to rule his country, take a drink. Okay. You are a mean, mean man. That, that one is there a lot. We're moving along here. I'll be honest with you. I have a feeling we're all going to be pussyfooting around it because here's the thing. A lot of this is about black culture, and we're four white guys from the whitest state in the world. So, you know, we're going to uh, Well, no, Texas? Oh, there's a lot of Hispanics there. Yeah. No. <laughs> and they hate it. No, it's super weird, right? So, like, <laughs> when I, I, don't, I didn't notice it. But I'll, just, I'll just put this out here now. So I didn't sure. realize how white Utah was. Until I was there doing uh, Big River last year, where we had to bring in a lot of like African American actors to do it, and like I'm sitting there like in Logan, Utah, and I'm like looking around, I'm going. Shit, so when you really... say bring in, better like, to find what does bring in mean? Meant that we hired them from outside of the state, so a lot of them were from California. Um, a lot of them weren't even like theatrical performance majors. Like some of them were students from the university who were studying like just the music department. We had uh, one performer who was just studying to be a singer, not necessarily be like a musical theater person. Um, so yeah, so we had to, you know, hire from the couch cushion. Empty yeah. the couch cushions of our diversity here in the uh, state. Well, and then, and then and go into someone sugar. else's couch. Yeah. But uh-huh. so um, the thing about it is that I think it's funny. I'm going to turn off my notifications so that Maya can stop sending me. Um, as you the background. The last message I sent was ding. I know I saw that. Um, but uh, what's singing porn, Maya? Yeah, no. But so then I got back to California, and I'm like, oh, that's Just right. Me. There are more than white people here. So yeah, I, I do believe that Utah may be the whitest state in the nation. Uh, I'm pretty certain. I can second that. Yeah, it's it's pretty damn white. So, but what we are going to do now is we are going to vote on whether or not we feel like you should read this. So I've been asked by the judge to be the foreman. And I want y'all to know that we's gonna run a fair jury and a clean jury. It's time for a vote. Because we love you. And we don't want to waste your money. We will now vote on whether this week's book is fit for human consumption by you. Our dear listener. Along with each vote. Our panel will also provide one piece of evidence to support their vote. Vote for Pedro. Do you expect me to talk? Vote for Pedro. No, who is the blonde? I expect you to die. There is nothing you can talk to me about that I don't already know. Mr. Maya, what's your vote? Uh, I vote yes. Um, the writer, Tennessee Coates. Uh, he's like a New York Times bestselling author. I think he's written stuff for the Washington Post before. Uh, he's really interesting and. Um, I really enjoyed this book, so I vote yes. Okay, uh, Adam, what's your vote? Uh, definitely yes. It's very heavy on philosophy. Uh, it takes a little while to get there, but it's really good. Cool, uh, Todd. Yeah, you should read it. 
I think it's also worth reading, so I'm going to vote yes. Uh, one of the best things I saw, well, it wasn't even the best things. I was looking up uh, information on the book, uh, mm-hmm. and one of the headlines I saw is, the comic book that can be on your political science bookshelf. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty yeah. intense. So, uh, so just your forewarn as to what you're going to get into. Todd, you had a question? Well, um, Tennessee Coates, the other thing is, in 2015, he got the Harriet Beecher Stowe Center Prize to advance social justice. This is one of the big guys spearheading the um, the case for reparations for slavery. So, I mean, this is like who is arguing that all former descendants of former slaves deserves a big government check? This is this guy on the forefront. And I, uh, I can't remember if it was a book or an article that he wrote, mm-hmm. um, but my first time seeing him was about three or four years ago on The Daily Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was after Trevor Noah took over and they were interviewing him and I went man this is a really interesting guy and then like a couple of weeks later Marvel announced this is who's writing our new Black Panther series and I went oh that's cool yeah. that I is believe, pretty interesting yeah so I believe he also is the winner of like the MacArthur Genius Grant as well I, I believe you're right sure I, he's taught at MIT he's currently at New York University yeah so I mean this guy's got all the bona fides. Yeah, so so you're you're reading a book by no slouch by any stretch of the imagination. Um, so just be prepared that uh, we thought the heavy book we had was coming next month. There's definitely this is probably a warm up to uh, next month when we read The Watchmen. This is uh, is getting there. So I mean, we've kind of covered some forewarnings. Is there any other forewarnings before people go in and read this book? Um, I, I would recommend highly doing what I did, which was read. It, it, it is uh, twelve issues broken up into three trades. Mm-hmm. Do one a day. Because I was yeah. going to try to just power through and do all one night, but I was really tired. Uh, this is one that you need to spend more time actually looking into and reading and understanding. Trying to speed read it just does not work well. So don't don't marathon it. Yeah, I have a little bit of the same problem because I, I my initial reading of this was I was trying to figure out. We hadn't decided how many we were going to do. We didn't know if we could do half the story or what. And I'm, so glad, I, I'm glad we did the full one. I, 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 well, I think we we I am. I'm glad as well, but I bought all three and I was reading them trying to just figure out where the story breaks were. And so I was more analyzing it from that that like I sat down afterwards and I'm like, I don't necessarily know if I caught all of the story and how much there is. So mm-hmm. I have I've looked up some summaries and things like that, which also since it's 12 issues, we're going to figure out a different way of doing the lightning round. If we did the lightning round at all, we might do it some different way. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I think that will pretty much give us a good heads up. We all think it's worth reading. But yeah, it can be. A wee bit heavy, um, and we will get into spoilatory after this break. If you have yet to read this week's book and would like to read it now, press pause. Go ahead. We'll wait. So, this is what we're going to do. Rather than going issue through issue, we actually have summaries that we looked up off the internet to try to summarize this very large book very quickly. And because... Dear listeners, we attempted to have me read this shit, and I can't even read English very well. Apparently, I, I can read it. I guess I just can't speak That's, it out loud very well. Is that why we? Do, is that why we do comics? Because they have pictures. I claim that all the time, but now I do another podcast <laughs> where we read actual book books. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, but you probably listen to the audio books. You have someone else That's read what it. Todd to you. does. <laughs> The sad thing is, I'm not kidding. That's exactly we were having that conversation the other day because the book we're doing next month is uh, like seeing. Gatsby. He's like, yeah, I'm halfway through the audio book. And his wife was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all the things are like four and a half hours I long. Know, I listened to it last year on a road trip back from uh, Arizona. Because it's the one with, read by Jake Gyllenhaal, right? Yeah. Yep, totally read. I totally That's heard that one. one. Yep. Okay, anyway. So since I kept butchering names of countries and people left and right, 
I just decided to uh, <clears throat> let Maya actually read this exactly. and let him take, let take him the blame for fucking. Let go and let God. There you go. So enjoy. Lightning round begins now. All right, here we go with a nation under our feet, book one. Uh, T'Challa is the current king of the fictional nation of Wakanda and holds the ceremonial title of Black Panther, who is sworn to protect Wakanda from all threats. He has recently spent time away from his throne fighting alongside the Avengers, and in his absence, several attacks and disasters have crippled his homeland. His sister Shuri, who was serving as Queen and Black Panther in T'Challa's absence, was killed in an attack, prompting T'Challa to return home. Upon his arrival, he visits the Great Mound, site of the largest vibranium, a uh, highly sought-after indestructible, indestructible metal, mine in the world and is attacked by the miners. The miners are under the control of a woman named Zinzi who possesses supernatural abilities. Startled and confused, T'Challa returns to the capital of Wakanda, the Golden City, to consult with his advisors and his stepmom and his stepmother, Ramonda. It is revealed Zinzi is working for a man named Tetu, who is assembling an army with the intent of overthrowing the Wakandan government. He wants to recreate the nation as one run by the people, not by an independently operating monarch. T'Challa tracks Zinzi to a compound in the southern region of Wakanda, near the border of Niganda, a fictional neighboring nation. He fights his way in and finds Zinzi seemingly holding men, women, and children hostage. Zinzi uses her powers to force T'Challa to confront his greatest fear of not measuring up to the standards set by Black Panthers before him. When T'Challa regains consciousness, Zinzi has escaped and he disposes of multiple guards. The people who T'Challa assumed to be prisoners claim they were there of their own volition and were being provided for. In a brief sequence, it is revealed Tetu is drawing on a mystical energy from the Alkama fields, also located near the Nigandan border. Meanwhile, it is discovered by Ramonda that Tetu was a former student of a philosophy scholar named Changemeyer, known for his extremist views. Changemeyer was previously Ramonda's tutor in her youth, but he was fired from his position for his views on the need to challenge the supremacy of the monarchy, which was viewed as a threat. While Changemeyer is not directly involved with Tetu any longer, it is clear Tetu is basing his rebellion on the lessons Changemeyer taught him. T'Challa tracks Zinzi back to the Nigandan border, where he critically injures her. Once this happens, Tetu summons the mystical force from the Alkama fields and controls the roots of the tree to restrain T'Challa and his soldiers while Tetu and Zinzi escape. Returning to the Golden City, Ramonda tells T'Challa in order to effectively lead, he must not only be protector of Wakanda, but must also be a citizen of it. He must give himself to his country and have them accept him for who he is, not simply because he owns the birthright of Black Panther. This prompts T'Challa to leave the palace and interact with the citizens of Wakanda. Tetu is revealed to be working with Zeke Stain, uh, who is Obadiah Stain's uh, son from Iron Man, ah, an American weapons manufacturer and dealer. Stain's motivations are left unclear, but it is made explicit he is funding and pushing forward Tetu's rebellion. Tetu is pleased with the status of the rebellion, but Stain wants to expedite things. He detonates a bomb where T'Challa is visiting with his people, and the bomb kills and injures many, including critically wounding Ramonda. After this, T'Challa declares war and is ready to protect Wakanda alongside its people at any cost. Simultaneously to the main storyline, a second story unfolds about Ayo and Anika. They are former members of the Dora Milaje, the king's personal bodyguards and militia. Anika is a former commander in the Dora Milaje who stands accused of assassinating a village chieftain. Even though Anika did this because the chieftain was assaulting the woman in the village, Ramonda still upholds her death sentence. Ayo, a younger Dora Milaje member and Anika's lover, steals an experimental suit of armor called the Midnight Angel and breaks Anika out of prison. Anika and Ayo both donned with the Midnight Ar Angel armor decide to make it their mission to rescue and save the citizens of Wakanda who have been perceived to be forgotten by their king. Ayo and Anika then liberate a series of villages under the control of Lord Mandla, a warlord who wears a gorilla-themed suit of armor and refers to himself as Manny. After saving these people, they are approached by Tetu, who wishes to join forces to overthrow T'Challa. Well, while Anika agrees they share a common enemy, they are not convinced Tetu is someone they wish to work with. And then a third short narrative involves T'Challa's sister Shuri. Since Shuri's death, her soulless body has been kept in a state of suspended animation at the Necropolis burial site for all former Black Panthers. T'Challa is desperately trying to resuscitate her. It is revealed her soul is currently residing in the Jala, the plane of Wakandan memory. There she meets the... Griot, who takes the form of Shuri's mother, Ramonda. The Griot tells Shuri, no one in the living world is aware of this place, but is there she'll be able to tap into the greatest weapon of all, the memories of Wakanda. And that is the end of book one. Woo! Whew, that's a lot. Book two! Mm -hmm. In the Golden City, capital of Wakanda, T'Challa is still reeling from Zeke Stain's attack, which left his stepmother, Ramonda, severely injured. He plans a raid on the base of Tetu's rebellion, now referring to themselves as the people. Take a drink. T'Challa has recruited a friend from his days in the Avengers, Eden, aka Manifold, to help with an upcoming operation. Eden has the ability to create portals to transport anyone great distances and sends T'Challa and some of his war dogs to the base of the people. T'Challa mercilessly beats Tetu's soldiers in a blind rage, having to be restrained by his lieutenant, Akili, from killing them. 
In the base, T'Challa and his allies discover soldiers are having bombs embedded in their chests so they can act as suicide bombers if necessary. Eden opens a portal, and T'Challa takes the bomb-equipped soldiers as prisoners. At Tagai and Gao, T'Challa thanks Eden and sends him home. He attends a meeting of an assembled council of representatives from nations who have endured rebellions similar to Wakanda's current situation. T'Challa does not want to attend the meeting, but goes at the behest of Hidori, his chief advisor. The men offer solutions while T'Challa politely listens, but shows no interest in taking up any of their suggestions. One representative, Jorik Kroll, says he knows of the most effective tactics suppressing rebellion, and T'Challa asks him to tell. In a laboratory, T'Challa interrogates one of the soldiers captured during the raid on the people. Take a drink. The soldier's name is Mwabena Ware, and his brother was killed years prior by warlords. T'Challa attempts to appeal to Moana. Mwabena, not Moana. They all are owned by Disney, so. That's true. Yes. As a fellow Wakandan to show him Tetu's methods are not good for the nation. He initially rebu rebukes T'Challa, but remembering his brother's unjust death, he decides to aid his king. Meanwhile, in an unnamed location, Jorik Brawl has a meeting with Zeke Stain, Tetu, and Zinzi regarding his recent session with T'Challa. Stain secretly recorded the council meeting, showing Brawl's method for suppressing a rebellion is to kill village chieftains on live television, one by one until the rebellion surrenders. T'Challa, of course, immediately re rejected the, the idea, but Stain circulates the clip out of context to all of Wakanda. It makes people all around Wakanda believe this is what T'Challa plans to do. After taking the recording, Stain kills Mr. Brawl. At the Necropolis, T'Challa video conferences with Tony Stark, aka Iron Man, who has fought Stain in the past. Stark offers to come to T'Challa's aid, but his offers refuse. T'Challa then interjects himself with nanites, microscopic technology that Dr. Doom had previously used in an attempted coup against the Wakandan government. These nanites enable whatever a person sees and hears to be recorded and broadcast any location. He then has Eden create another portal to the base of the people where he feigns combat but allows himself to be captured. He is brought to Stain, who reveals his plan is to unseat T'Challa and become king of Wakanda. He hopes to exploit the nation's vibranium supply and rule the country as a dictator. Using the nanites coursing through T'Challa's blood, Stain's words are sent back to Hidoria to Guy and Gao. He intends to broadcast this to all Wakandan citizens in an attempt to expose who the real villain is. Once the recording of Stain is made, Hodari sends the crew uh, to save T'Challa. The crew is made up of Eden, Luke Cage, Misty Knight, and Storm. T'Challa had recruited them all to, had recruited them to help specifically with this mission. After a harrowing fight, T'Challa and the crew were able to, to defeat Stain's henchmen. They received critical help from Wabena, who was working undercover on behalf of T'Challa. Though Stain escapes, T'Challa feels confident he has the ammunition he needs to take Stain down. He thanks the members of the crew, and Eden takes them all home. Meanwhile, in a jungle hangout, Changemire walks to meet with Tetu and Zinzi. He wants to make one last attempt to show Tetu that he is misappropriating the lessons taught to him in school. Tetu is not perceptive and intends to continue his rebellion. Zinzi asks Changemire to join their cause, but he quickly refuses. Simultaneous to the main plot, Shuri is still in the Jala, plane of Wakandan memory with the Griot. She trains with the Griot, who has taken the physical form of her mother, Ramonda, and learns the true meaning of stories from Wakanda's past. The lessons learned from these stories are symbolic of what must be done to save Wakanda. Gradually, the Griot stops telling stories and allows Shuri to tell her own. This leads to Shuri becoming fully enlightened to Wakanda's history, and she's bestowed with the title of Aja Adana, Keeper of Wakandan Lore. After T'Challa sends the crew home, Eden secretly returns alone. T'Challa has built a machine in his lab to amplify Eden's power in order to find Shuri. Her sin has disappeared from her body, leading T'Challa to realize her soul is on a different plane of existence, though he does not know if he and Eden will survive the trip. T'Challa knows Shuri is critical to uniting Wakanda. They are successful, and Shuri is resurrected and ready for battle. Anika and Ayo, the Midnight Angels, are featured sparingly in Book 2. They are currently living in a base in the, in the Jabari lands in northern Wakanda. They still intend to protect the women of Wakanda from the oppressive patriarchy present. At one point, T'Challa sends war dogs to capture the dissidents, but they are saved by Tetu and Zinzi. The Midnight Angels still have an uneasy alliance with the people. Anika and Ayo are happy for the assistance, but are unsure if the people and its leaders can be trusted. And moving on to Book 3. Yay! Yay! This is awesome. <laughs> Book 3 finds Shuri's soul returned from the Jala, plane of Wakandan memory, empowered with the collective memories in history of Wakanda. This includes new supernatural abilities taken from Wakandan lore, such as turning her skin to stone and transforming into a flock of birds. She now shares leadership responsibilities with her brother, T'Challa. Shuri and T'Challa begin, <coughs> begin a very calculated approach to quashing the people's rebellion. First, Shuri directly approaches Ayo and Anika to discuss the Midnight Angel's role in the turmoil. Anika and Ayo are shocked to see their once-thought dead queen appearing in front of them. Shuri admonishes Anika for a broadcast in which she formally rejected T'Challa as her king. Shuri admits that while the people may not be able to invade the capital on their own strength, if the government's attention is continually split between keeping checks on the people and the Midnight Angels, then Wakanda will surely fall to the people. 
After Shuri leaves, Io proclaims she has <clears throat> she feels a new hope at seeing Shuri's return to the physical world and can possibly admit complete separation from the Wakandan government may not be the only option. Anika remains reticent to make the leap. Upon returning from her encounter with the Midnight Angels, Shuri tells T'Challa, Hodari, Akili, and Eden that Zinzi's power has grown stronger than ever before. Her ability to amplify the rage and desire for hope in members of the people have turned them from simple soldiers to weaponized killing machines. She says they must have some, some sort of counter to the supernatural emotional appeal. T'Challa agrees and says he knows exactly what to do. T'Challa then visits Burden Azaria, the learned city, to meet with Changemeyer, the philosopher whose teachings are the basis for Tetu's rebellion. They discuss at great length the implications of Changemeyer's teachings, but T'Challa admits even though Tetu has used them to justify violent means, there is truth in them. T'Challa brings Chang Changemeyer back to the Golden City, where they plan for Changemeyer to act as the moral counter to Tetu, Zinzi, and their followers. With Changemeyer's role in place, T'Challa, Shuri, Achille, and Eden prepare for what hopes will be the final battle of the people. While this happens, Anika has a brief call with Tetu, where she formally rejects Tetu's request for the Midnight Angel's aid in their attack on the Golden City. At the gates of the Golden City, T'Challa, Shuri, and their allies do battle with the people. They are soon overwhelmed by the enhanced soldiers of the people and retreat within the walls of the Golden City. Once there, Changemeyer begins to give a speech that implores Wakandans to see progress for their nation. Increased rights for its citizens does not necessarily involve violence or the complete dismantling of the current governmental system. A bright flash of light frees the people's army from Zinzi's control momentarily, just in time to witness Changemeyer's speech. The speech shifts to the ideas of many of the people's soldiers, which makes it more difficult for Zinzi to control them. Tetu has these soldiers killed and enters the Golden City with his four remaining followers, who have been transformed into goblin-like beasts by Zinzi, fueled by heightened rage. Once they enter the city, the remaining pe members of the people wreak havoc until they come to a forest. Suddenly, T'Challa appears with Shuri, Achille, Eden, and a panoply of spirits of warriors from Wakanda's past, which T'Challa had summoned in the Necropolis. United forces overwhelm the people quickly, and Tetu is captured alive. Zinzi escapes and is transported to an unknown location by Zeke Stain and the Vanisher. After the battle, Shuri holds a meeting with the women of the Midnight Angels to begin to decide the future of Wakanda. In Vernon, Asaria, Changemeyer facilitates a meeting in negotiation between the Wakanda government and the Midnight Angels. The Midnight Angels, with Anika leading the charge, wish to have the right to form their own society outside the purview of the Wakanda government. Anika still finds the government to be unequal in its treatment of Wakandans. While she is initially obstinate, Changemeyer eventually convinces her in a private conversation that Wakanda and the Midnight Angels would be collectively stronger than either on their own. Wakanda needs the Midnight Angels, and the Midnight Angels need Wakanda. Shuri and Ramonda then visit Ramonda. Shuri and T'Challa then visit Ramonda, Shuri's mother, and T'Challa's stepmother. After she is awakened from an extended coma, T'Challa tells his mother the people have been defeated, at least for now, and the Wakanda government will be restructuring. He says there will be a summit in the near future where representatives from every region of Wakanda will assemble to write its new constitution. Ramonda is hesitant to endorse the idea, but T'Challa assures her he will still be king in Black Panther, but he will preside only as a, represent as a representative of Wakanda, not a firm ruler. He now knows Wakanda needs to be given a chance to government govern itself as a collective unit. Eden tells T'Challa he has decided to stay in Wakanda for the time being, considering it to be a second home. T'Challa thanks Eden for everything he's done and walks through one of his portals. T'Challa arrives in the office of Aurora Monroe, his ex-wife, and greets her hello. The oh hi, oh hi, oh hey there, how are you? I'm fine. Exhausted after reading. Way it. to go! Oh my god, yeah, that's like 20 minutes. Dude, awesome. <laughs> well, I mean, it was a 12-issue run we did, so. <clears throat> That's true. But yeah, so this it's, is uh, like yeah, for Vendetta. Yeah, remember the, the Doom Patrol lightning round went twenty minutes, and that was just six issues. That's true, and it was also just bizarre. <laughs> <shit. laughs> yeah, the thing about this book is, is it's definitely very heavy on the political science. It's very heavy on the philosophies of what it means to be a ruler and what it means to you know, like if if kings are better or if a, you know public is better and stuff. Like that the other thing I thought was interesting that I would point out that they sort of briefly touch on in the third book, but they don't actually fully say it out is um, a nation under our our feet is actually the also the title of a book about um the uh civil war and uh the slaves post-civil war moving uh north yeah. uh, out of the south and and establishing their own new lives uh you know and, and new societies basically up north although this is about a fictional country in africa there is a lot of things that seem to be about america in this as well and i was kind of curious about what other people's thoughts were on that um how political do we want to go here <laughs> <laughs> just say what we believe what the statement is not necessarily if it's our own personal belief if you want to well, i guess that stay safe the, the biggest thing with this book which 
what I, what I love so much about this is compared to, you know, recently we did Fantastic Four with Hickman and we've done other Hickman stuff is like, obviously Hickman's a very, very intelligent person and the author of Coats of this one is very, very intelligent as well. And they both tie in really deep philosophies and science and everything else into their stories. What I loved about this book was at the beginning, I mentioned that, yes, there's a lot of philosophy and sometimes it's kind of like, hey, let's get on with the story a bit. But it's never to the point where, like, it doesn't... You don't feel like you don't, you're don't. you stupid reading it. Like, something with Hickman we said, where yeah. Yeah. he's there trying to prove that he's the smartest cookie in the room. And it's annoying. And it gets kind of annoying. And, and with Fantastic Four, it wasn't nearly as much. And again, like we said, it was really nice to be able to see the foundations for Secret Wars and everything else. Uh, this one, though, just made a lot of sense, and it was really interesting. So even though it was kind of like, yeah, let's get back to the story, because I've had this breather now for 10 pages of philosophy, mm-hmm. it was intriguing and interesting and made me want to keep on reading to understand more of what he's talking about. And I think one of the, the biggest things I loved about this book was it's a lot of T'Challa understanding and learning what it means to be a king and be a ruler and to serve your people. And I think what we have here in America is we've got leaders who think that the country's there to serve them. And mm-hmm. they're there for the notoriety, for the fame, to make mm-hmm. a statement. I mean, we've got the... Uh, as When this comes out, the legislative session in Utah will be going on and there's always those big message bills, like when they pass the, oh, DUIs are going to be 0.05 instead of 0.08. I mean, when Mother's Against Drunk Driving is saying you're fucked up, you've got a problem. Mm-hmm. That, that, Absolutely. Yeah. So we've got so many people who have forgotten the fact that they're there as civil servants to serve their people. And T'Challa really wrestles with this, and he's kind of going after his own, for a bit there, retribution and revenge, and then is coming to terms with the fact that, no, he's there to suffer for his people. And I think the one thing that really stuck out, well, there's, there's two stories that stuck out for me. One of them, the big one was, uh, I can't remember the guy's name who has the bomb in his chest when he's there and mm-hmm. T'Challa's interrogating him. And the guy tells his story and he's like, yes, I I, I, I wasn't there for that. And like, it was, it was his sister or his mother or his whole family was right. massacred. You know, I, I wasn't there for that, but I, I promise you that every single day, every single moment, that weighs heavily on my soul. And for me, that was almost like a turning point where he kind of got it. Real quick, just jumping mm-hmm. in on that moment, I really like that T'Challa knows his people when he starts, he mentions his brother, he's like, you don't know my brother. And blah, he knows blah, everything. Blah. And he knows everything. You're like, he likes swimming. He liked doing this. You know, you looked up to him. He carried you on his shoulders, blah, blah, blah. T'Challa cares, even yeah. though he may not have gone at the beginning like the right way about doing things uh running in and just, and just yeah, breaking doing, faces breaking faces yeah <laughs> but and, and at first when i was reading that segment i thought oh this is just an interrogation technique but when you get halfway through and you realize like oh shit no he actually he he knows like he knew about this person he actually studied up on their life and mm-hmm. he's not there to be manipulative and to get this guy to talk he actually is saying yes like i understand the loss you felt because like he's like i've lost people in my life with you know with everything going on but again it goes back to the point that Kings and rulers and leaders and presidents are there to serve their people. And I really, really wish that the political system we have here would get back to that. Because right now it's, okay, who's going to put the most money in my campaign fund for re-election? Who's going to help me vote, get more voters? Who's going to divide the people? I mean, America is very much divide and conquer right now. We don't have that system of unity. I mean, as fucked up as it was, the last time I really felt this country felt unified was after 9-11. Because we all were able to rally together and feel like... Okay, we're going to support each other. We're going to help each other out. And we had the whole world behind us until Bush went and fucked that up. But we're missing that. And I think, I mean, just go on Facebook, go on Twitter, go on any kind of social media or even just Fox News or CNN. I mean, both sides are just as bad. It's all divisive. There is no, I don't know. I I, I feel like I'm kind of rambling, but I just, there's so much divisiveness in this country. And I mean, I even have family members who I've had to cut off on Facebook because I couldn't 
the, I, I could ignore what they're saying, but they would just hop on and constantly belittle and argue with me. The point of doing this kind of stuff, like even with this podcast, is to have fun, not to get there and have people bitch at each other because they do or don't support the person in office. And as much fun as it is to argue and have debates, mm-hmm. it's kind of turned to a point where it's us versus them, almost like civil war status. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if something big happens in this country and we see a second civil war. I mean, it's it's almost to that point. It's so divided that, again, united we stand, divided we fall. And I think we're almost to that point again. To take it back to comic books. Right. Okay, sorry, I, I, how political do we want to go? No, I, <laughs> no, no it's fine. And I, I don't think you're politically wrong. And I, I mean, I'm not, I don't have anything to add to that. I think the question that came up in my mind, um, just backtracking a little bit, you had talked about uh, Hickman's uh-huh. work. I think the other thing about this is, is you have a very, very intelligent author coming in to write a comic book. You know, a guy who's written novels and essays and things like that. It would be very easy for him to sort of try and take what is sometimes thought of as a lesser medium and try to bend it to his, his will. But I don't think he does. I think he's still. I mean, I don't. I haven't read any other Black Panther to associate with this. The only other knowledge I have of Black Panther is based on uh, cartoons and uh, the movies, which is not necessarily a whole ton of information at this point in time because the new movie's not out. But it didn't feel like he tried to bend the character to make his political statement. He found ways of making interesting comments on society and the nature of power and still keep the the purity of the character and not, I mean, like, it, it, I think that's part of what makes it not feel sort of like it's browbeating or talking down. Like, it's, he, this author still obviously has a love for comics to a certain extent. I mean, I, I don't know for sure, but he, I, you know how sometimes, like, you get intellectuals who look down on comic sure. books and I sometimes feel like that's my, I guess that's the, the condescending nature of Hickman is what bothers me and I don't feel that in this and I kind I don't want to get other people's thoughts on that. I think Hickman loves comic books. I don't know the guy. I've never mm-hmm. met him. I think yeah. his condemning nature is just a little bit of who he is and not so much yeah. a medium in and of itself. So, and with Mr. Coates here, I really enjoyed it. And it's interesting, but this is also the venue of the philosophy. What does it mean to rule and the choices we make and the choices of when to act and the choice of when not to act? And mm-hmm. what does that mean? And the weight behind going each way. I mean, if you want to go back into political, there was a number of years back where Turkey and Greece were fighting over an island. And they're both, they're both allies of the U.S. And Turkey was kicking Greeks, Greece's butt at the moment. And Greeks asked for help. But the answer is, at this point in time, if the U.S. did intervene, then they're siding with Greece. And if they did nothing, they're siding with Turkey. Now, they're both their allies and quote-unquote friends. And you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. And inaction is a choice and is it the mystique of you don't want to see people you act too much because then they start to take a better measure of you was a specific point made in this comic and keep it mythical and keep it so they don't know and keep the legend alive and don't be clear about your capabilities but at the same time here it's a thing of you're talking about the burden of serving the people but there's also can be a joy in that service and finding it because this t'challa just this whole time he's got this burden and the heavy is the head that wears the crown is the theme he has and other people going it doesn't need to it's not a burden it's a responsibility it's a mantle but it's not a burden and his character arc trying to find where that balance is and what he must do because he's got a lot of guilt and shame because he goes through i'm a scientist i like to know i didn't i left wakanda to join the avengers because i wanted to and i chose to leave this behind because of what i wanted to do instead so he feels guilt over shirking his duties and coming back, and he's then playing the games of what if. If I had never left, some of this isn't quite explicit in the book, but I'm sure he goes, if I hadn't left, would have things turned out this way? And I've got an uncle who was more than happy to give it back to me. He's like, good luck with that. And I 
And it's just the struggle of burden of rulership and the social contract. Yes, there is a king, but the king is for the people. The people are not the armies. The pe- the, the kingdom is not the armies. The kingdom is not the king. The kingdom is the people and the social contract back and forth. And if you lose the social contract, is isn't working out. And that's when revolutions and everything becomes is they don't have trust in the king to do what they're looking for. So this whole question is that trust has been besmirched and tarnished. How do you win it back? And how do you do it back the right way? Because he's getting advice to just be worse than the other guys and you'll win it back. And he struggles with that as well. So there is mistakes of the past and how do you recognize it and move forward without pretending it's not there? Yeah, I mean, that actually does bring up an interesting point, because as Adam has discussed, there is this idea that America is very split right now, which I agree with him. It is. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't necessarily know if I could tell you what the right way to, to bridge that gap would be. You know what I mean? Sure. To fix that, um, you know, without I mean, there are two very uh, it's a really weird, big, heavy subject that I'm it is. trying to get around. But like, I yeah, I guess without delving so far into it that it would get really political uh, really quickly. Yeah, I think, it, but it does come back with here. It's recognizing the faults of the past. Because even if you go back a little bit here with the states, we mm-hmm. have slavery. And but there's also is the treatment of the Native Americans. What's interesting with slavery, though it was sanctioned by the state and it wasn't facilitated and it wasn't a state-run operation. That was a private enterprises that was approved. But you didn't have slaves of states. You had slave owners among the states. And then here with the Native Americans, we talk about the biological warfare. We talk about the Trail of Tears. We talk about reservations. That is something the state did. And so in this government today is the same government that forcibly relocated. Or even we've got down in Delta, Utah, in Topaz Mountain, where during World War II, we decided, oh, the Japanese, you've been here for two generations. Eh, this Bill of Rights is only good and we use it as long as it's convenient but the moment it's not so convenient we'll throw that out the door and we've got americans for two generations tossed into internment camps in southern utah because we weren't quite sure of where they were standing and that was done by the state and after world war ii we kind of went eh, sorry about that and we just kind of walked away our bad here's some, here's some bad. money forget about this you know not even that much money it wasn't even that much money because actually have a buddy of mine um ken hamamoto but mm-hmm. this goes back to when i was in grade school I remember his grandma was actually in one of the internment camps, and I think they gave like $20,000. It wasn't even that much money. I don't know. I I guess the common theme, and this is, again, going Mm -hmm. kind of off the comic book, which we should probably go back. Yeah, we probably should. The the common theme I'm seeing with everything going on with this discussion, with our political discourse, is the fear of the other. Uh, The fear Mm -hmm. of what's not you, and that's where we get everything. We get racism, homophobia, sexism, everything that, you know, the people in power are doing right now is because they're afraid of what's different and what's not what what is unique and not like them and as you know obviously i, I am a i'm a, a cis white male i am gay but so that makes me part of the other mm-hmm. but there are things I, I will never understand like i will never understand racism i will never understand sexism because i'm a guy and i can branch out and try to understand by like talking to people who have gone through things and listening to their experiences and doing my best as a person who does have privilege to kind of overcome that and recognize that privilege I do have and try not to overlook that. But while there are struggles I have in my life by being a gay person, it doesn't mean that I'm not very much privileged in every single way. Because, like, obviously, if you you made me on the street, you'd never know I was gay. I mean, well, if you know me, I'm very flamboyant in a certain way. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you, Ryan. (laughs) Uh, 
get a few drinks of me, and then we'll, we'll, we'll play some games. That's uh, right. No, but, you know, I... I in a sense, even that's privilege. I, I've had people who told me, oh, you're so lucky you can pass as being straight. I'm like, I'm not trying to pass. I'm who I am. And that kind of offended me, and I don't get offended because it's like you're saying I'm trying to be a certain way when I'm not. Like, everyone who knows me knows I'm the same at work, at play, at, you know, hanging out with friends, in a professional site. Obviously, maybe I'll censor myself a bit when I'm in a professional environment. Sure. But I'm just who I am. I'm not trying to be anyone else, and I don't know. I'm, I'm off on a tangent, so let's go back to the book. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, Maya, I haven't heard a whole ton from you. I mean, have you read any other Black Panther stuff? Uh, very little here and there. But what, what I've read mostly is, you know, just kind of like your standard superhero. There's a problem, Black Panther fixes it. Everything is back to the way it was at the end. This, I really like that the Black Panther we see on, you know, page one is not the same Black Panther we see it on the last page there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is changed he's he's his complete mindset has changed about how to be a ruler uh, about how to be a citizen uh about how to be a hero and uh i really enjoyed the uh progression the progression and the uh journey that he he takes in this book and that we got to take along with him because it wasn't just like all of a sudden boom he was changed uh we got to see him struggle we got to see the conflict that he had on you know why this should work why it shouldn't work uh what i need to do what i shouldn't do and uh i i really enjoyed it see and with black panther again i mean so on the back of the first trade it's the first appearance of black panther so and it just happens to say first appearance black panther 1961 so it's I'm sure it's no coincidence in many ways that the character of Black Panther came out at the same time as the Black Panther movement within the uh, Black community here in the United States. So this character has inherently always been one of a political nature and of a political force. And I bravos for Marvel for just kind of embracing that aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, I know that that was part of Stanley's progressive nature of things. I know. Um, sure. Uh, there's a lot of talk about Stanley here or there about things right now, but I know that uh, having um, seen a few documentaries on it, it was definitely a deliberate choice to create a black superhero who was from a African country that was far more advanced than anything we'd seen here. Uh, he was making a statement, uh, a lot, a few different statements that way. I have to admit, I'm ignorant about the fact of whether or not the Black Panther movement took their name from this comic book, or if the comic book took its name from the Black Panther movement, or they just sort of seemed to happen to develop at about the same time. I'm not certain on that, uh, but uh, but yeah, it was very much part of that. And I think, it, as as you mentioned, like some of this uh, author's other work and uh, some of his uh, political statements he's made otherwise, with a company like Disney, who is a very large corporation, who is constantly Constantly covering their own ass to right. bring in it's almost it's a more of a daring move like it's 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 safe in some respects and it's kind of a daring move in others to bring in an author who has had some maybe politically i won't even say stream but has just been very politically involved uh to bring them them in as a, a writer both you know gives this story and gives this writer um a certain uh cachet for it but also like i could see them quaking in their boots for whatever could possibly happen too you know what i mean uh but it's just an interesting choice that way but bravo for disney for doing so i mean though companies our primary reason is to make money there is also the social responsibility companies have to interact with the public yeah i mean and disney does okay here or there they do some things well other things they struggle on but there's some things disney does do well 
Yeah. And I think that with the, on the uh, human rights, you can call it, it is human rights, but mm-hmm. the, uh, for the basic idea and the struggle for the equality of the individual, Disney has done well for pushing of the equality of the individual. Yes. They want everyone to be equal so they can still take all of their money. That is correct. Yeah. Well, that, that's also kind of more recent. If you look back at, you know, the old school history of Disney, they weren't always so open and outgoing and, and supportive. I mean, yes, I remember it was, <clears throat> as a kid, remember, I think it was late 80s, early 90s when, Disney start offering, I think it was health benefits to uh, same-sex couples. Yeah, but I, it was it was a big deal because <clears throat> I remember at, at, at church because I went to a very, very, very hardcore Southern Baptist church that honestly makes Mormons look like Satanists. I mean, that's how hardcore it was before the pastor went to jail for 125 years for raping children. Like you do. Like you do. We were being told, oh, you need to boycott Disneyland and boycott Disney movies because they're doing this and that. And it's like, as a kid, you know, again, I was the weird thing was it was almost like cult because I grew up in that and. I very much was brainwashed and people may question like, well, how does this happen? How can you be quote unquote brainwashed? I'm like, when you're nine years old and everyone you look up to and everyone you respect is telling you one thing and it's drilled into your brain. Yeah. You're going to feel that way. It's going to get stuck with you. So I thought Disney was the devil. And I was like, but well, I liked, but I loved, but also I was conflicted because like, well, I like Beauty and the Beast and Little Mermaid and this and that. And well, I'm sure, I'm sure they were boycotting the, the live action Beauty and the Beast for the two seconds of pushing their gay agenda. Which I could not find <laughs> that gay agenda in there. I looked for it real hard. I really well, did. Also, I'm always, I'm always really amused when um, people talk about uh, the gay agenda being quote unquote shoved down their throats. <laughs> right. Like, that's one of my favorite things to do. Like so. a dick. <laughs> like a dick. Got your agenda right here. <laughs> Please make that a drop. <laughs> I hope it was loud enough that I could. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I two thoughts on, on some of the things uh, you guys just discussed. One, not to give Disney too much credit. Also, keep in mind they are the people who created Song of the South. <laughs> yes. But uh, and then I mean and not. Let's not bring up the whole like Nazi thing. So well, there's, there's that, that too. too. But I mean, but um. The other thing I wanted to kind of discuss is you talk about the, the brainwashing and how can the culture get that way. There has been, there's a, as we're recording this, there's been some conversation and there's a very interesting, um, uh, David Letterman just got a, his TV show or like a new TV show on Netflix. Oh, and I, I'm, I'm planning on watching I'm so excited to watch that. So I happened to watch it the night it came out. I came home from work late. It popped up as like my feature and I watched it and I was like, oh, this is cool. And I was going to like, the next morning, all of a sudden it was all over Facebook. So I must've watched it right when it came out. The thing, Ooh. the quote that they pulled out of it, and I, Todd and I co- talked about this a few days ago the quote that they pulled out of it was is obama basically saying obama's the first interview uh guest he, he basically says if you listen to the way they quote it is if you watch fox news you're on a different planet than those people who watch cnn people sort of tried to explode it and make it clickbait it was basically saying that president obama thinks people are on other planets or whatever in context at least Wait, the way I, yeah but in context the way i took it i'm gonna hide there uh it was jesus uh <laughs> uh in context, the way I took it was that he was basically stating, uh, because there's a little more conversation there, but it's basically the feedback loop of you can isolate yourself with people who agree with you and therefore com- continue to, to you know, basically breed your own ideas and make basically prove yourself correct. Uh, based on what news sources and websites you choose to view, you can completely sub- like make yourself believe one thing and think that everyone agrees with you, which is oh, definitely of- yeah, sure. And that's what, that's what actually, if you look back, that's what happened. I'm sorry to interrupt really fast. Yeah. 
Um, that's what happened with the last election was everyone was talking about Hillary's going to win by 30 points. That was what five uh, three eight yeah. said or whatever it was. And they went back and they looked online and it was like one of the main reasons why Trump won and whether you support him or not, we're not discussing that. We're trying to keep this apolitical right. as we can. His followers on Facebook were very insular and were very much building each other up and more so than pretty much any other candidate we've ever had. Uh, it was This was a very, very social media fueled election more so than any before because you know with this one we actually had you know facebook with over a billion followers and snapchat's mm-hmm. there and twitter and everything else and so people weren't very vocal about their support for him in real life but online behind a keyboard where even though facebook you have your picture and your name and everything else it's still kind of anonymous in the sense that you can say what you want and if someone gets hurt or offended they're not going to snap back at you but there are these very insular groups of dedicated people who were convincing others who joined in. Like, if you, 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 I'm pretty liberal, so if you look at my Facebook feed, all of my stuff is my friends saying how much Trump sucks. Mm-hmm. I guarantee if I hopped on my aunt's Facebook feed, <laughs> I'm sure her her feed's completely full of Trump supporters and how how great he is, how wonderful he is, and how he's protecting America. I'm sorry, but the whole Make America Great thing, uh, we did that before during World War II uh, with, you know, Keep America First kind of stuff, and that's not right. So, uh, thankfully, we don't live in shithole con- con- countries. Well, <laughs> Compared to Norway, we kind of do. If you look at their benefits and everything else, but um, but no, it's it's. Where was I going with this? It, it was talking about. Insu- I think it was talking about the insular nature of the web of the internet yeah. and how you yeah, can basically. Just it's, yeah, you can say what you want with no fear of repercussions because if someone gets offended or gets angry and you're and you hurt them, you can just hit the block button. There's no, there's right. no. Everyone likes the circle jerk. Yeah, and and there's that's the best thing you can say. It's everyone is there just to please each other and please mm-hmm. their friends. And there's no repercussions for doing anything online anymore because just hit the block button or ignore. I will say I was um, on one of my hobbies. I like to go target shooting on occasion. So here I was at a gun range and checking out again. And they start bringing up Trump and I choose to debate. So, oh, honey. With a gun in your hand. In my bag. <laughs> <laughs> we kept everything quite civil because the way I went about it, they couldn't really debate against it per se. But. Boy, was that tension in the air that <laughs> let me just say that uh, there was some thick tension in the air afraid. And this is a guy that just came and was like, oh, he's going to our gun rights are protected now because Trump's in there. One thing I will say, the NRA loves a Democrat president because there is never a time when gun sales are higher than when you have a Democrat in office. Because Obama took away so many guns, so many guns. If you ever watch it, gun sales, gun companies and everyone loves the Democrat president because that just means their sales go up. So as much as they can say they hate them, their pocketbook sure loves them. Just saying. Uh, and if, if we're going to go there, I mean, you'll never see a higher number of gun sales than after a school shooting. Yeah. Because everyone thinks that they're going to get taken away in the next instant. What? Okay. Well, who needs a drink? Actually, I do. And I actually yes. have a drink. Behold. Mr. Boone. We finally fulfill the second half of our Mr. title. Boone. And make with the fire Mr. water. Alcoholics Would you like to start out? So mine is called uh, the Wakanda War, and actually the way I found this was I I, I uh, googled Civil War drinks, and this okay. drink actually has been around since our Civil War. So okay. kind of felt uh, <laughs> appropriate. <laughs> Which one? Oh, the sorry. One, uh, not, like, not the one coming up. The, the old one. The, the one where like, the big tall gay dude with the beard and the hat. 
So you take two ounces of brandy, four sprigs of mint, one teaspoon of uh, like confectioner sugar or powdered sugar, mm-hmm. and one ounce of club soda. You add it to an old-fashioned glass, you muddle the crap out of it, you top with ice, and garnish with an orange rind, uh, orange peel, orange slice, and a maraschino cherry. Maya, do you have a drink? I do, and mine actually has a lot of steps. Um, uh, but I, I found a drink called the Backhand Panther because... Uh, of all the backhanding black Is it easier did. or harder than taking off a bra? I, I have no... <laughs> easy. Taking off a bra okay. is easier than you can The bra is one-handed. But your ingredients yeah. are... Um... But the front closure is the best. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> is that like titty fucking? I don't know what that means. It's getting close. <laughs> no, so, <laughs> in some bras, the closure is clasp is in the back. Oh. But the fun ones, they're right in between. I'm learning things so today. You, you can but open just, up the bra this way. So, it's like... It's like a it's like a spring-loaded door to heaven. It's amazing. It just pops open. <laughs> there it's we great. Go. See, this is this is a great thing for a podcast because you, you guys can see what Maya and Todd are doing yeah, right now. Thank you. <laughs> it's wonderful. So it's like we yeah. So the backhand panther. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's seven eighths of an ounce of uh, raspberry liqueur. Five ounces of an energy drink. It's not specific. Let's say Red Bull. Uh, a third of an ounce of lychee liqueur. I think that's how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Four strawberries, ten ice cubes, and sugar syrup. Ten ice cubes. Ten ice cubes, exactly. Very specific. Okay. So that's what it says. Uh, first, you're going to hold the top of the four strawberries and place one of them on the side and the other three in a shaker. Pour a small amount of the sugar syrup in the cocktail shaker. Use a muddle stick or fork to pound or press the ingredients together. Fill the cocktail shaker halfway with ice cubes. Pour in the lychee and raspberry liqueurs. Cover and shake it. Uh, and then pour it in a Collins glass uh, with ice and strain the mixture to a glass. That's mm-hmm. kind of a redundant way to put that. Add your energy drink all the way to the top, which that's a weird picture. Uh, it's showing a Red Bull out of a bottle. Uh, I cut bullshit. And then garnish the drink with the remaining strawberry and enjoy. Here, yeah. I'll, I'll show the guys here. On this podcast. That recipe yeah. was longer than the lightning round. Todd, what is your cocktail? Oh, the one I found, it's called the Royal Flush. I think that title is nice and appropriate <laughs> for all yeah. the royal f- that keep dying. So they're just getting flushed right through. All right. So on this one, it's um, the Royal Flush. It's got three ounces of cranberry juice, one and a half ounces of Crown Royal. Three quarter ounces of peach schnapps and a half ounce of black raspberry liqueur. We're sensing a theme. <laughs> and then we're going to go about this. So you combine the cranberry jo- juice, royal crown, peach schnapps, and black raspberry liqueur in a cocktail shaker. And you proceed to shake the shit out of it. You pour the contents into an ice-filled glass. A Collins glass would be good with ice. And garnish with a maraschino cherry and serve. Ooh. That's right. So I'm going to be flat out honest. This is called the Panther Punch. It's Ooh. I took out one word. It should be the Carolina Panther Punch. This is from one of my favorite football teams, but whatever. I'm going to. So it, this is going to be blue, even though it's the Black Panther. It's going to be a blue drink. Sorry about that. Well, I'm uh, just flipping through a Black Panther comic, and his, it's the blue and black. It, it's blue most of the time. Well, I mean, that's just kind of how you have to make the art work, but yeah. Uh, sure. Okay, so, so you're going to need a 375 milliliter uh, bottle of Blue Caracal. It's basically, <laughs> I love how they tell you, that's half of a 750 milliliter bottle. No shit, that's how math works. Go figure. Thanks Go for that. Math. One liter of mango vodka, 1.7 liters of lemonade, and then 12 ounces of, uh, a 12 ounce can of Sprite, and lemon slices are optional. You combine all the ingredients into a large pitcher or jug, serve cold with lemon slices in 
if desired. And of course, if you're going to do it North Carolina style, you got to put it like in a, a mason jar of some kind, I am sure. Does anybody else have anything else they want to discuss about Das Black Panther before we continue on? Um, the, the one last thing I was going to say was the, the one story that really stuck out to me was when uh, they're telling the fable of the village boy who raises the cheetah. Oh, yeah. And how he couldn't, you know, the cheetah put the seed of doubt in his mind that, oh, well, you're just a village boy. You're, you're nothing. You you can't beat me. And uh, he couldn't as long as he believed that line until he was finally told, like, well, don't believe that. You are you are faster than the cheetah. And I think, and then he, he went on after that to again and again and again race the cheetah and win. And that's something I think we need, again, going back to our the state of our nation and how everyone's kind of put into their down and being divisive is that. You know, we all have the strength inside of us to beat that cheetah, whatever that cheetah is in your life, whether it's, you know, your current situation, gambling, drinking, whatever is going on in your life that you just need to overcome, you already have that power inside you to do it. Um, you just have to stop listening to that little seed of doubt that's going to gnaw you and make it so you can't succeed. So, there's our little inspirational moment of our podcast. <laughs> and you're right. I actually do. There are some fun, interesting little uh, side notes on things. Uh, oh, my God, Maya. Um <laughs> <laughs> As we're being inspirational, we're also Thank sharing you. horrible, horrible memes. Uh, you know, that could be a drop in and of itself, the oh my god, my god. <laughs> yeah. Drink oh my god. Oh my god, Becky, look at her butt. I, I, I was doing more... Fucker. <laughs> I was doing more Fran Drescher from The Nanny, but... You want to do Fran Drescher from The Nanny? No. He is gay. I hate oh, you. No. <laughs> Uh, this is what happens when a podcast goes off the rails, kids. Um, Wait, this podcast has rails? <laughs> what rails are you talking about? After the last couple of weeks, it's hard to tell, actually. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Pretty soon, we're going to need to be like the bowling alley with bumpers. Oh, <laughs> for sure. We need bumpers. I, I, was watching, <laughs> I was watching this episode of uh, Parks and Rec where uh, Ron, they go bowling, and Ron is just horrified that uh, Aziz Ansari keeps basically just under grandy, grandy underhanding and bowling and keeps getting strikes and makes him crazy. So, uh-huh. like, Ron gets all disguised up, goes back to the bowling alley, goes, like, in the farthest lane possible and tries it and ends up getting, like, bowling a 300. And he's like, and they're like, hey, like, put your picture up on the board for a perfect 300 game. He goes, nope, I was never here. This never happened. We're never discussing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember when I was a little kid, I got a strike, but there were bumpers involved as well. But I was pretty damn proud of myself, I have to say. That's that's the best bowling I've ever done is when I was five. Once I got old enough to actually try, I'm not so good. Anyway, is there anything else we'd like to discuss before we move on to final grades and all that kind of stuff? No, I think we're good. We're about there. I guess the only other comment I would make with, and it'll be in the final grades. I enjoyed it. I'm glad I read it, but I kind of have to work for it. Yeah, and not necessarily in a bad way. It's not you know? a bad way. Is no. it something that you'll read again, or you're like, I've I've read it once. I don't need to read it again. I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go back and do it again. You know, though, I would lend it to someone to prove a point. <laughs> so this would be. I'm trying to make an argument, and this would be the perfect answer to a specific argument. Like, read this, then come back and let's talk. Oh no, I, I agree with that. But it's what I do, I do. But yeah, am I gonna? Yeah, is this gonna be on my repeat pile? Maybe one more time, just to, for me to really get it, but that'd be about it, because I feel I was deficient the first time trying to read it as quickly as I did. Yeah, I kind of feel that same way. I feel like I would like to reread it to get a better understanding of things, because there is some heavy stuff in there, and I know there's some stuff that I missed. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's stuff that we could have discussed in the show that we completely missed as well. So um, mm-hmm. if you haven't read it, uh, I would recommend going back and reading it, because I'll probably end up rereading it at some point in time. I'm interested. I'm trying to decide. I, if I decide to continue to read the Black Panther comics, which I think Maya said that he probably would, I would probably go back and reread these before jumping into further ones, just to really f- sort of get myself firmly grasped into this new Wakanda that's being built in these 
comics to see where that goes. Because I am kind of curious and interested to see where the government goes. The, the government they uh, propose at the end of it. I'm kind of curious to see what that ends up becoming. I think it actually might be interesting. So, but I think that's. I think we're at a good point. Let's uh, go ahead and jump into final grades. <laughs> Jamie, school is never a waste of time. Since we have 15 minutes until recess, please put down your pencils and stare at the front of the room. It's report card time. It's report card time. It's report card time. I'm so fucking bummed. God, please, no! 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 Uh, so for our m- writer, Mr. Coates, I'm assuming it's a Mr. I think yep, it's a Mr. Oh, it no, I've seen an interview with him. Yes, it is a Mr. <laughs> Actually, there's a really cool video, like a preview of this book uh, from Marvel. That it's The background music is uh, Run the Jewels, uh, and it's uh, an interview with him, and then they cut to stuff from like the first issue. It's actually really cool. Anyway, oh, nice. uh, so for Mr. Coates, for writing your grade, uh, Mr. Maya. Uh, a. I mean, there's, uh, there isn't really much more that can be said, but uh, flat out A. Todd. You know, I'm probably going to go with an A- minus right here, because there's a depth to the story and a lot of stuff behind it as well as being well written and a good story in a yard yeah there's a lot to dig and pull apart so yeah i give it an a minus adam um i'll go with an a minus too like again it's, it's great writing he obviously is a very very uh intelligent person and really weaves the philosophy in well unlike hickman who kind of goes there to prove he's smarter than everyone else in the room mm-hmm. uh, but the only minor complaint is again sometimes i kind of wanted the story to move on a bit more uh, when there was a lot of extraneous, which again was important to the story, but two guys talking in a room for two guys talking in a room, which again was enjoyable, but it's kind of like well, let's get on with it, you know. So, but no, really well written. So yeah, and I'm at the same with Todd and Adam, and kind of continue on Adam's thought. So I'm an A minus. It felt to me like comic books, like film, are a visual medium, and there was portions of this book that were essentially a, a very well written stage play, and so it wasn't necessarily the best use of the medium, but it still was. Uh, a good way of telling a story. It's a very interesting story. So I think that makes up for it. Uh, so I'm still going to say A-minus. I think it's very well done. I think it's very good. But there are some of those... There are a lot of pages of people sitting around desks you know, talking, you know? So, uh, uh, yeah, we'll do that. So for the art for Brian... Is it Stelfreeze? Uh There's a few different artists. Uh, okay. Brian Stelfreeze is in the first trade. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, and then it changes to Chris Sprouse. Okay, and then the, both of them are credited on the third, as well as someone named Story and as well as someone named Martin. But for the art for the team, Todd, what is your grade? It's a B plus. I thought it was done very well. I also have a Black Panther epic collection provided by Maya sitting over here. The um, <laughs> And it's classic plant Panther with a lot of things. The um, art, it's very much done in the modern style. Mm-hmm. It's done well, and the... Um, the old style uses a lot of the blue and the black, as that was commented on earlier. Mm-hmm. This modern one here, they've done a great job of just keeping it. This, this is a simplicity to the design and the layout. I think my favorite moment in the whole thing was actually near the beginning, as you've got a woman walking down the desert, and then the uh, wind is blowing, and in the blowing wind, there is a plume of sand and dust flying into the air. And when that occurs, you can kind of see a flashback of the story being told. And visually, I just thought that was out of this world fantastic. So, uh, okay. still freeze was the best part of it, in my opinion. So, but I give it a B plus. Adam, what's your grade? Um, I'll go with a B plus as well. I mean, the, it's, it's a very colorful thing. I, again, the colors pop a lot, and it really draws you into the story. And like like Todd was saying, it was very 
uh, distinct mark and it wasn't like the old school where you couldn't tell what was blue and black and it, it's really interesting and drew me in so I'll sit with you guys at a B. Um, I thought the art was really strong and very interesting. And I mean, it, it could at least still engage you in a story where there was a lot of sitting around and talking, but I there wasn't a whole ton that it was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Uh, at least not for me. Uh, there's like, at least visually, there's not like, I mean, we've read some stuff where there's some visually impressive and very cool sequences. And Maya, what is your grade? Uh, I'm at a B plus as well. Um, I mean, it's great art. It just, it's not like groundbreaking. But uh, mm-hmm. it is very good art. It's not. Uh, it's it's a B plus. Uh, and then for overall grades, because we're kind of doing this outside of a month, even though there is a team in here, we could partially do a team building. But I'm the crew. This is something the to, crew, man. The crew. I'm calling this as something completely separate. So we're gonna leave that out. So we'll go with final grades. Final grade for you, Todd. No, I'm gonna go with B plus. I enjoyed it. I'm glad I read it. There was no um, thing there. Do I rank this among the best stuff I've read? No, it doesn't Racist. meet that. So. <laughs> Yeah, so it's a B plus. I, I'm gonna just because I'm thinking about it and jumping on yours. I'm gonna go with also with the B plus. It's it's not that it's not the best thing that I've read. It's that it's a challenging and interesting read, but it's not necessarily as fun on top of it as some other stuff is. We've read some stuff that has, uh, like for, for instance, Saga, uh, especially the most recent trade that came out. That book consistently is a fun and interesting read, but also has some seriously interesting political statements to make about it like the the most recent trade that just came out which i think is number eight or number nine is 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 eight okay so that current trade is all about uh uh the nature of birth and death and abortion and like it's covering some heavy heavy subjects in a book that's still beautifully interesting and interesting to read so i think that there is a way of of being a fun and interesting comic book and also having a powerful message behind it. i think this does really well having a powerful and interesting message and philosophy discussion in it but it's not necessarily always a fun read uh so that's why mm-hmm. i take it back just a little bit uh adam what is your grade uh, i'm at a uh, b plus too as well like i said it's, it's a very strong book there's a lot of really interesting ideas and i mean to be honest, i think this is kind of one of our most more serious episodes we've done. I mean, there was yeah. there was a lot to unpack and discuss uh, that's really relevant with everything we're going through. So I, I liked it a lot. Is it one I'm looking for? again? I'm not looking forward to going back and reading it again. I think the one take through was enough for me. Uh, and there were some times where the philosophy got in the way of the story, but it's still a great read. And I would highly recommend it to pretty much anyone who uh, either wants to get to know Black Panther, especially with the movie coming out, or. Uh, just in general is a really great comic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, you're, the statement of like not wanting to read again kind of reminds me of I don't understand why anyone owns a copy of the movie Sh- uh, Schindler's List. Yeah. Like, not like you're going to rewatch that all the time. You know what I mean? Like, Well, to be fair, I bought it because it was on sale for way cheap and I've never seen it. Oh, well, see, and this thing is I've seen it, you but it's like, I, I think I've seen it like twice and I'm like, but it sticks with you enough. It's like, you don't need to like pop this in and watch this all the time. Like it, sticks with you yeah, you know what i mean for me you know my ultimate movie for that has to be monster with charlie's theron oh okay brilliantly done masterfully executed i never want to see that again ever yeah i also just cool. sent everyone a text that's relevant yeah. to our our podcast right now so yeah i was actually going to mention it after we stopped recording that was the one that shared <laughs> uh, it we did not yeah. uh, well i will just say it here online <laughs> it's a funny tweet by i don't know who this person is sarah j ben ben casa uh, not gonna work here anymore yeah, uh, it says I'm offering three hundred dollars to a journalist who very seriously asks Trump his opinion on our nation's relations with Wakanda and gets the question answered and recorded live on video. I know three hundred dollars doesn't sound like uh, a lot for some most people, but I know that it, uh, that most reporters will make it. Uh, will make so. 
I know what most reporters make. Reporters make so three hundred dollars. Oh, see, well, Facebook lied to me. I had some random person I don't even know show they shared it first, and then you're behind beneath them. So what a liar! Bastards. Oh. That's right. Okay, well, OG Maya, what's your final grade? Uh, I'm also to B plus. <laughs> um, yeah, there isn't really much to add on that's that's already been said without sounding like a a broken record. It's uh, it's yeah. a fun book. It's deep. It's meaningful, but not you're you're giving me these long loving eyes, Todd. <laughs> I, I just I just keep hearing different. Um, Be careful, you'll get my back. Oh yeah, deep, long, um, wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my favorite things. Uh, well, I can't. It's a B plus. Yes. Okay. I have a button for that. Fancy. Fancy. Oh, wrong one. Sorry. So does Adam. Okay. So. We'll just leave this running in the background. Uh, <laughs> 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 Sorry. Because I turned it off. We will go into recommendations. And now it's time for recommendations. That time in the show where the panel tells you all the crap they are currently into, but will forget about as soon as they see something shiny. How dare you? And what is that? You give your stamp of approval to everything. It's become meaningless. Why can't you be more like your wife? Lily's stamp is gold. I'm reading this book because of her. I'm drinking this beer because she recommended it. I'm even wearing this bra because of a lingerie store Lily told me about. Uh, who has recommendations that are dying to get off their chest? Uh, so I pulled this out. So I'm going to recommend earlier. Not my dick. <laughs> So I need my spectacles. Um, as Todd mentioned earlier, I have pulled out here uh, one of the Marvel Epic Collections. It's the first volume of Black Panther. Uh, what the Marvel Epic Collections are doing is they're they're collecting like entire runs of books and putting these uh, out, not necessarily in order, but they have like a master order. So like you know the volume eleven may be the first one they put out of like the Avengers. Uh, and then they go back and do something else. But um, this one is the first Black Panther, and it's got Fantastic Four 52 and 53, which are his first appearances. Uh, and then uh, what was kind of what ended kind of up being like an ongoing to him. Uh, he wasn't in the first few issues, but uh, Jungle Action number six through 24, uh, which was the first like book to really feature Black Panther. And it's just if you want some old school Black Panther. Uh, go check it out. Also, in two and a half weeks after this episode comes out, go see the movie. Please go yeah. see the movie. It looks awesome. True. Todd, do you have any recommendations? Yeah. Um, so Karen Gillian did a run on Darth Vader, which was very good. Yes. And it got extended. Dr. Afra was a character introduced yes, in that I run. love that mm-hmm. book. And there's uh, trades out with Dr. Afra. So I'm recommending Dr. Afra trade run the uh, one with the continuing adventures of Dr. Afford with Triple Zero. And BT-1. And BT-1. The murder droids. Uh, the murder droids. The murder droids are my favorite things ever. So for those of you who are not aware, they're basically like, they're, it's this is Star Wars, they're basically like an evil version of R2-D2 and C-3PO. And they like if you promise they're going to get to torture and kill someone and then you don't let them do it, they get so cranky. It's awesome. It's super funny. So it's a lot of fun. 
it's a fun read. You should read it. It's great. Doctor Aphra, at least in that book, sort of starts to become like sort of like an Indiana Jones of the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. Like she's yeah. uh, she's looking for artifacts of the Jedi, and it's it's it, there's a it's it's actually really fun. I love I actually really love that character in general, and that book has been really really fun. I I, I would also recommend it, but I have my own Maya uh, Maya recommended. Adam, did you recommend? Well, uh, well real quick before we jump off yeah. the Doctor Aphra train, mm-hmm. I really would like to see. Uh, one of the one-off Star Wars movies in in the vein of an Indiana Jones movie, but set in the Star Wars universe with Doctor Aphra. And, and, oh, that would be and amazing. That would be a really fun book or a fun movie. Actually, I think it'd be awesome. Uh, Adam, do we get a recommendation for you? Uh, really fast, actually. I uh, I picked this up over the holidays because it was on sale at Best Buy. It's the mm-hmm. uh, on PS4. It's the Kingdom Hearts 1.5 2.5 remix where they updated uh-huh. the graphics even more over PS3 because it's been remastered once, and I just started playing again recently and i to catch up and kind of get myself back in the story because the third one's apparently coming out this year even though we waited like 15 goddamn years for it uh, <laughs> i'll believe it when i actually hit start on my consoles are playing but i just i forgot how how much fun the story was and how cool it was that the you know mixing the final fantasy and disney universes together um how interesting that was so uh it's on sale everywhere now like near like 20 bucks and it's like at least 100 hours of gameplay so Pick it up. Awesome. And then I'm, uh, I guess I'm going to recommend. Uh, I went to last night a place. They have one in LA. The original one is in New York. It's called the Beetle House, and it is a Tim Burton themed bar and grill. Although it is not. If you look at their website, they don't officially say it. they say they're Halloween themed, but it is very heavily Tim Burton themed. Uh, and so, uh, if you want to just hang out at the bar, you can just walk in whenever you want. But then there's a whole dining area in the back, and you have to have reservations for that. Um, we didn't realize that there's like a show that goes on with it as well. At one point in time, there was a freak show. There's a bearded lady who came on and did like, like put a, a rat trap on her tongue. And, uh, and then they had a fire twirler slash uh, eater. And then they had um, a, essentially a drag show led by Willy Wonka. Like he basically brought in all the, all the people who had a birthday and he was, it was basically making like drag queen host jokes. You know what I mean? Like sort of campy, slightly dirty jokes, nice. like essentially is what it was. And we, I had a, uh, I had a musical theater moment with the guy playing uh, Willy Wonka. When he, someone said they're from Beaumont, he goes, Beaumont, where the hell is Beaumont? And I was the only person in the oh, audience who got that joke. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's a joke from, it's from, uh, I believe it's from, oh, okay. it's a line from, yeah. And so he's looking at me and I'm looking at him and like he has like we have this like eye connection of like, oh, you get what I'm saying because it's from the play. And it's just sort of like a, and it's one of Jess's favorite jokes from that play. So that's why uh, we had this little moment. Uh, the food is OK. I will say that the service was slow. You're mainly going there to hang out with the atmosphere. But I had one of their specialty cocktails, which was called uh, This is Halloween, which was actually really good. Was it, was it Halloween? It was very Halloween. Uh, let, me, let me see if I can find it really fast. Yeah, the drinks are. So this uh, This is Halloween was uh, Fireball, Sour Apple, Pumpkin Liqueur and Apple Cider, which I thought was really good. They also have the Coco Skeleton, the Glen or Glenda, the Barnabas Collins, the Bio Exorcism, uh, Sparky Mint Margarita, uh, the Big Fish Bowl for two people. Uh, we come in peace. Uh, Alice Cup of Tea, Edwards Lemonade, uh, the Beatles Juice, which I would I almost wanted to have, but it has tequila in it, so I avoided it. Uh, the Fleet Street Martini, uh, the Nine, and the Chocolate Chocolate Martini, which is a very Willy Wonka thing. I for it's a prefix menu, by the way, so it's like. You're paying for forty dollars or forty-five dollars, depending on what you order, and you get like an appetizer, a dessert, and uh, and one uh, main course, depending on what you had. I had the 
uh, what was it? I had the Willy Wonka like uh, hot wings, which were made with Fanta soda. They're orange chicken wings with Fanta soda. Sticky as shit. Ew. But they're pretty good. But they're Ew. sticky as shit. Are they? Yeah. Sounds weird. Uh, it was Ooh, actually sticky. It was pretty good. Um, here, let me see if I can do some of the other appetizers. So yeah, they had the wings. Uh, they don't have them listed the same way here. Uh, so this might be the New York. Uh, menu as well but yeah and then i had the edward burger hands which was supposed to be an edward scissor hands burger which was okay but not great um so the food i thought was lacking where the drinks at least the drink i had was actually really good and pretty interesting but really you're going to hang out for the atmosphere and it's actually it's it's kind of like having dinner in tim burton's mind it is really pretty fun and entertaining so if you're in la or if you're in new york i would recommend going and checking it out and you can make your reservations through yelp um so anyway uh otherwise we had a very interesting evening as well but i'll you know I, I, I won't out to those people on a public podcast as to what happened, but I also have to get ready to go to work really quickly. So I think we're gonna have to call this good. Uh, anybody right. any last minute things? I'm good. Okay. All right. Oh, so uh, starting next month or for the entire month, we are going to take on the granddaddy of all comics. We're going to take on Watchmen. We're basically splitting it up. We're doing three issues per episode because much like this book, there's a lot to unpack and a lot to discuss. So we will be going through uh, that piece by piece. So we're going to be reading the first three issues of uh, Watchmen for our next week's episode. And then we'll do, uh, so we'll do one through three and then we'll do four through six and then we'll do seven through nine and then we'll do nine through 12 or not nine through 12, uh, 10 through 12 um, is how we're going to break up the whole month. So, and we may have a guest. I hope we do. Yes. those that'd be awesome absolutely uh we'd love to have some expert opinions on it so uh we're getting close to 100 than we thought you know it's finally maybe we're maybe we're grown up enough to actually try to attempt an epic tale of uh of comics so anyway uh thanks for joining us and uh we will see you next week as we begin watchmen for the entire month bye y'all bye Bye. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. This band of knuckleheads will be back next week with a new episode. Until then, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr as Funny Books and Firewater. And on Twitter as at FirewaterCast. Go to FunnyBooksAndFirewater.com for the most up-to-date information. As well as cocktail recipes from this and past episodes. Thank you for joining us. And until next week, support your local comic shop. Tip your bartender well. And stay hydrated.